should we have a look at going into into Fero? Yeah, let's do yeah. it. Let's do it. Fabulous. So, uh, right, Fero, uh, what is your kind of main memories for Fero? My main memories for Fero are, I mean, the, it's, you know, there's the one that defends the Spearow's attacking Ash. Yeah. There's, um, you know, the one later on that um, Pidgeot, Ash's Pidgeot leaves to defend the Pidgeys from. That's it. Um, no, there is one Pidgeot, not Pidgeot, one Fero that is in a later season that I remember being quite funny. Uh, it's in like the new one um, that like, not the new one, like Pokemon Legends, Legends, Masters, Legends, something like that with Ash and Go. Um, where some kid tried to trick his grandfather into thinking there was a Ho-Oh nearby uh, by dressing up his Fero <laughs> and sending it up into the sky with a Cyndaquil on its back and the Cyndaquil would breathe fire to make it look like Ho-Oh's glowing wings. Yeah. So, like, that was quite funny. Um, but... Yeah, that's it. That's all I really um, have on Fero. I don't remember it being huge. Like, I, you know, there are some, like, supporting characters who have Feroes, and sometimes they were, you know, decent, but none stand out as, like, particular storylines that uh, I, I remember all that well, if I'm honest. Yeah. Well, I mean... We mentioned it a little bit in the previous episode with Spiro that, like, they make the legendary birds like look a little bit more like Fero. Um, yeah. Um, whether or not that's to kind of keep keep Pidgeot as kind of its own thing, or mm. that you know Fero just kind of looks a little bit more aggressive, you know, because it's like because it's like thinner and got the long like pointy beak and stuff, um, but like. When you were talking about that that later episode, I was thinking to myself, "Oh, I wonder why they picked Fero." And then I was like, "Well, of course, because Fero looks like a whole bunch of the legendary birds. Like, yeah, like you'd probably struggle to pick another bird that looked a bit like Hoo or Zapdos or Moltres that wasn't just because um, you know you can't have Honchkrow, you can't have uh, like they. I feel like they've massively diversified the the um the bird designs after pharaoh yeah yeah i think i think they diversified a lot of the designs in later games and again i feel like that's partly because they sort of have to uh in order to keep them feeling fresh and interesting yeah um and i feel like i'm i'm yeah i feel like bird types definitely I mean, there's lots to draw from. There are lots of different birds in the world. Yeah. Um, but yeah, I think you're probably right on there. And I think, yeah, Fero, similar to Spiro, because it, of the simplicity of its design, it was already kind of overlooked with Pidgeot being the more powerful flying type. Mm. 
and then when you get to the late game bit you've got the legendary birds you've also got like dragonite flies charizard flies aerodactyl flies like there are options for pokemon with very powerful flying type moves that just really overshadow Fero. and the more pokemon designs that have come out in the decades since like the more Fero kind of fades away into obscurity. Yeah, I feel like uh, if Fero was presented to them now, it would either not quite make the cut or be oh, has yeah. to be like redesigned. Yeah, and I think like there is definitely value in the more simple Pokemon because I think like sometimes it looks like they've been overthinking it. And I understand why they don't want to have, like, go to the effort of creating Pokemon just for them to be boring and immediately unused. Um, there's got to be something about them that pulls them in. And again, why would they make a simple bird Pokemon when you can already put one of the dozens of bird Pokemon yeah. on that in that place where you need a bird? Yeah. Right? Um, so I get why they're not coming up with new ones. But I think when they do have new ideas and they do create new Pokemon, I think they don't all need to be like very complex i think you can create something with the simplicity of Spiro and Fero, and lean more into its signature moves and be like look this is a pokemon you're gonna play with while you're only really dealing with mid-level um second out of three evolution foes and then you are going to replace it with something else but if you use its signature really effectively, it can be a powerful ally for during that segment of the game. I think if they leaned into that a bit more, that could be make for some really interesting but understated additions to the Pokedex. I, I wouldn't have a problem with that. I think um, it shows that they are still putting attention into those Pokemon that are not the most powerful and the most exciting. And it shows that they are still putting in the work to make them interesting yeah um yeah well, um, yeah. well i mean i've just been doing some maths right because you know uh, i felt like this podcast had not gone off the rails early enough so i thought <laughs> i'd talk about maths um so i just worked out you know like how there's like six spaces you can have uh for your team and and apparently they were planning on increasing that in gen 2 but decided to keep it to six uh, and I worked it out that 6 over 150 uh, times 100 to work out the percentage is um, if you have all your slots full, you have mm -hmm. uh, a total of 4% of Gen 1 Pokemon uh, in mm -hmm. your in your party, which is mm -hmm. a 1 in 20, which is basically a 1 in 20 chance that you might have a Pharaoh on your team. Yeah. But... Uh, I then did the same numbers for 1,000, because we're now over 1,000. And yep. six, um, so six over 1,000 times 100 is only 0. 0.6. So yeah. now that only a one in 200 chance of you having a uh, a Pharaoh on your team. So as, yeah. as it continues, I feel like the chances of someone being like, oh no, Pharaoh is the the thing on my team it massively mm. diminishes with every single pokemon and i imagine that that's actually quite difficult for them to do as they're creating new ones because it's like well how do you possibly create new ones that have like yeah. less and less of a chance of being used i think 
if there's I think what would be cute is like if they had like a a themed area or a themed game or a themed region or something and the theme was like it's not the most powerful Pokemon but it's like the most aggressive ones right and then Spearow is that region's Pidgey like Spearow is the only option for like the first bird you see and see how that goes and then it will probably have a similar progression by the time it's a Fero, uh there are more powerful Pokemon that you're up against but for a while that Fero is going to be a great addition to your team again up until you get to the more aggressive ones I think that would be like a really fun interesting way of doing things um Obviously, I don't expect them to do that, but I think as like a thought experiment, I would be interested in seeing how uh, that region could be built. Like, I quite like the idea of, um, you know, how like people do like themed competitive teams. Yeah, I would be yeah. well up for kind of hashing out how a themed region would go if we were building one based on random criteria and i think there are plenty of fun ways you could fit fero into something like that yeah well uh so i mean your avatar is a is a bird pokemon is a bird catcher yep. so it uh, is would would fero make their way onto your bird team no <laughs> <laughs> because bird catchers do not only use bird pokemon they use flying type pokemon and like my partner pokemon would be a crobat and I would want a Gliscor on my team. Yeah. Fucking love Gliscor. I think that's a great Pokemon. Um, I would want a Noivern on my team. I think that's a sick Pokemon. Um, I have the other three slots. Jim leaders normally don't have all six. Yeah. Uh, so I tend to stick with like those are my core three. And then the other slots, if I was to be like an Elite Four member with six Pokemon, uh, they fluctuate depending on what sort of mood I'm in. I like Corviknight, I like Talonflame, but also I feel like they are quite overused um, because they are like they, they are more interesting, they are more powerful. Um, I really liked having Talonflame on my team, I really liked having Corviknight on my team, but I also said going into those, oh, I'm not going to use like the bird Pokemon you get in the first route because that's like the done thing and i want to mix it up a bit and then they ended up just they were so good yeah. but if i was building a team that i wanted to be a bit more interesting and creative like aerodactyls are cool flying type but i don't think i'd want a flying rock type when i already have a flying ground type as gliscor and i like gliscor more for me like the first time i um had a gliger on my team i was shocked at how cool i thought it was um but yeah, I think there are lots of cool flying types that could go into those last three slots. And just, yeah, Fero wouldn't make the cut. There are lots of very cool Pokemon that are also not making the cut. And yeah, Fero is quite understated when there are so many more Pokemon to compare it to. Fero is quite... Um, like just It doesn't have enough of a hook. Yeah. to justify yeah. being on my flying type team like i'd probably go more along the lines of like a tropius which people often forget is flying type because flying grass is quite unusual or like a drift blim which is flying ghost and definitely has um like something like a lot more unique stuff to it yeah 
for years I felt like I don't know if I want to say they've they've like they've rectified this uh, I'm about to say a statement that you're going to be like oh you're wrong there but I always, <laughs> I've always felt that they are they've missed out an opportunity to have a chili Pokemon which is fire grass type no they do have one of those yes I thought, um, I thought that just as I was about to say it uh, is, is it new Scoville? though? It's, yeah it's newish um, let me find it. I don't think it is Scoville. I think it's something else. Oh, Scovillain. Sorry. So it was close enough. I thought it was going with Scorch. So Sco Scovillain is a dual-type grass-fire Pokemon yeah. introduced in yeah. Generation 9. Evolves from Capsicid and exploded to a Firestone. So Capsicid is like a little, a little like chili thing with a beak. Yeah. And like a little yeah. hat that looks like kind of the bit that's attached to the stem. Yeah. Um, yeah. It evolves into Scovillain when exposed to a Firestone, which is like a little gremlin thing with two heads and it's got like a red red pepper and a green pepper head. Um, I think Scovillain is quite cool. Again, um, because it's two, uh, it's got two, of, it's just a, two-stage evolution i think if it then evolved into like a big massive brass fire monster i think it would be very cool um and i would definitely have it on my team but because it kind of sticks in because it's it's design does look like a middle evolution it looks like it's in its awkward teenage phase Fero's design does not look like no. an awkward evolution. Fero looks finished. Yeah, I could see it having a sick mega evolution. Yeah, uh, but Scovillain looks unfinished. It looks like Wartortle and Charmeleon. It looks like there's something else coming after it before it's fully cooked. Um, yeah, and, and um, yeah, I think that's probably why I, I put off actually using it. Yeah, and that's how I felt about Dreadnought. I was like, yeah. I, I felt, I feel like it looks like there should be, you know, it's like it's there on its four on its four legs, and it it came from like this little turtle, and it went massive, and it's on four legs, and you're like, right, there's gonna be another one where it stands up, and it never happened. I feel like if it did, I feel like the reason they didn't give Dreadnought more is because they didn't want it to be too much like Blastoise. Yeah. I think it's already very similar. Like, there are so many directions you can go with Turtles, and, like, Chewtle and Squirtle are already very similar, all things considered. Yeah. And again, I feel like Chewtle, similarly to how I feel about uh, Fletchling, because you get it really early on. And I know that you get water Pokemon a lot earlier than you get fire Pokemon in most games, but I feel like it's it's unusual to get something that early that is such a close contender for a starter Pokemon. Yeah. Um, so I feel, I just feel like it's an interesting choice. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, it feels like, um, like it would not surprise me if they were in the runnings to be the original starters. Yeah. Like, yeah, um... I, could, I could believe that like Chewtle was a, based on a kind of, discarded earlier design of Squirtle. Mm. Um, like, I feel somewhat similar about um, the Elemental Monkeys in Gen 5. Yeah. Um, you know, um, you, like, get them, what, like, ten, like, 
five to ten hours into into those games and it's like oh you picked up you picked up the fire type well here's here's a, a complimentary pokemon that's relatively decent that like compliments yeah. uh, that you know will help you in terms of the battling and it's like was like what was the kind of thought process behind that why did they like was those the original three like why did they decide to if not why did they decide to add like an additional three in afterwards mm -hmm. uh, I, mean, I mean i feel like people would have been a tiny bit disappointed if it had been the elemental monkeys is just your three that you got to pick at the start yeah it's just yeah i feel like it it would introduce an interesting element of okay these three pokemon are exactly the same the only difference is typing to your starter choices but i also get why they didn't want to do that for the starters i think of the elemental monkeys as being more like evolutions where it's like you have the option of all three um and the core difference is the typing what are you going to do um yeah do you get the option of which one you want to pick yeah, you must do. Because uh, I can't remember whether it was like, say, if you picked Chimchar, they go, okay, here's the here's Panpour. I don't think so. I think I thought you could get all of them, but then I don't think I've. Uh, that's not a game I like have replayed as much as the others. It's when we get to those episodes, I'm gonna need to do some homework. Oh yeah. <laughs> as opposed oh, yeah. to like, like I reckon Gen, one, two, three, and now nine, I pretty confident in because yeah. I've either played them the most or played them the most recently. Mm. Um, but yeah, I think the middle ones, when we get to those episodes, I will need to like replay the games and rewatch the show probably. Yeah. I say I feel like I'm gonna be fine for generations one, two and four. I feel like midway through three I'll have to do a bunch of like research. Um but yeah. like one, two, four and then um Am I right thinking Sword and Shield is at eight? Yes. Yeah. And then Violet and Scarlet yeah. are nine. Yeah, eight. And then eventually I'll have nine, which will be fine uh, by that time. But uh, yeah, I feel like my my knowledge is about to drop off about, about midway through uh, season three. Um, uh, generation three, should I say. Um, so... Shall we have a look at uh, the Dex entries? Let's do it. Okie doke. So um, we have got... We've got, we got uh, Ferno there. Um, I feel like... Do you know what, do you know what the you know what the artwork reminds me of? Um, it reminds me a bit of... Uh, you know whoever, wrote, whoever did the pictures for Roald Dahl? Yeah. It feels like... Quentin Blake? Is that their name? I think it might be. Yeah. Yeah, I feel like this would fit in very much, like, in the Twits garden. Mm. Yeah. I can see where you're coming from. Yeah. There. You know, the kind of, like, the long beak, um, the kind of, the muted colours. Um, and, yeah, I agree. It, it looks finished. Uh, like, I wonder if there was ever any discussion about having like a mid stage for them um mm -hmm. i could think there was discussion about it um but i'm also kind of i don't know if it needs one i feel like it's as it does still feel complete mm. yeah 
yeah. Um, although I would disagree that um, once once Gen Two comes along and they introduce the dart type, for me it yeah. doesn't quite feel complete. It feels like they should have, because like they've re they've recategorized types before. And I I feel like it. Would... Well, they did. Like it was originally flying, and now it's normal flying. So like they, I guess they thought about it when they added in the normal. Because like, why not make it flying dark? It's like it's it's established that it is the antithesis to to Pidgey. Uh, so I just wonder what the what the thought process was. I think because they introduced Murkrow in Generation Two. Mm, yeah, they, yeah. So they already had their flying dark, um, and if they made Spiro and Fero or even just Fero flying and dark. Mm. Um, it would then it would be like competition for the new ones they introduced. I actually think Murkrow and Huntrow are cool as shit. I love them. Yeah. Uh, yeah. I honestly, I love all the dark types. If I wasn't such a fan of poison type, I feel like dark type would possibly be my favourite. Hmm. Yeah, that's cool. I think the the dark types have some very. Um, like just badass designs. Yeah, yeah, they they are the. It feels like they're some of the most creative. You know, like outside of the legendaries, like the dark yeah. types, they're able to kind of allow their their imagination to go a little bit well. Like I like I like dark. I like poison. I like uh, I like ghost types. Um, mm -hmm. Like all that kind of end the of kind the of edgy ones. Yeah, they're very cool. Yeah, you know that that was kind of that was kind of Pokemon child that I was. Edgy and cool. Yeah. That's how people describe edgy, me. Edgy, cool Pokemon boy. Yeah, that's that's how they described me when they were beating me up. They were describing me <laughs> as that. Well, look at you now with your own podcast. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Take that. Uh, I don't know. Uh, take that. Um, f uh, I'm, f I'm trying to think of any of their names. Uh, that's probably a good thing that I can't remember many of their names. Yeah, they've faded into obscurity. Yes, unlike me. Who has very much, uh, you know, risen out you of are, obscurity? You are popping. Yes, um, but like I think that that's part of the reason why I um, kind of dropped off with Pokemon because it, it, you know, it did become like a little bit uncool to not, to, you know, to like Pokemon. But you know, I went to like a particularly like rough school. It was like yeah, it was like the worst school in the UK for grades. When um, yeah, like twenty one percent pass rate when when I left, um, and it also had um, it also ha was the first school in the UK to require an on site police officer at all times. Um, it was, and I think that that's part of the reason why a lot of these things kind of dropped off for me around about the age of like thirteen. You know, in the way yeah. that, that it does for a lot of people, but I think it's like. In that environment, you don't want to be like having any reason to kind of stand out. Yeah. Um, and as a result, this was one of the things that that uh, dropped off for a few years. Yeah, I get that. Mm. So, should we have a look at the deck entries? Uh, I feel I've had a very brief look at this, and I feel like Pharaoh's already getting a better, a better yeah. lay of the land. I feel like all the professors that were chatting spit shit about Spiro 
then were like, oh shit, Fero's gonna fuck me up, I best be really nice. Yeah. Like, whereas Spiro's wings were short, Spiro's are huge and magnificent. Yeah. Um, like, okay, kiss us. Yeah. Do you feel like there was like a, a Pharaoh at the window going, go on? Yeah. It was like, what did you say about my son? And it's like, I, I don't know what you're talking about, but you are huge and magnificent. Yeah. And like, I, I seem to recall you saying something about stubby. Yeah. You're like, he's stubby now, motherfucker. <laughs> <laughs> it can keep... Um, I'm, I'm loving some of the language. Like, I feel yeah. like this is possibly some of the most verbose deck entries mm-hmm. we've had. Um, yeah. Like, uh, stadiums are like a Pokemon that enjoys flying. So, first off, it's paying attention to what it likes and dislikes, as well as just what it does. It uses its broad wings to adroitly catch the wind to soar elegantly into the sky. Like, like with Spiro, it's like, yeah, it flies. It goes here and there. This will soar elegantly into the sky. Like, okay. Yeah. I've never heard the word adroitly before today. Have you not? No, what does it mean? Um, let me get the specific... Um, no, I spelled that wrong. Definition, so I make sure I do it right, because I very much feel like vibes. So, it comes from a word meaning... It implies skillfulness, ah. but not not in a physical way, but in a thoughtful way. Like, synonyms would be skillful, masterful dexterous artistic deft yeah Um, that kind of thing something i do think is interesting is with yellow a pokemon that dates back many years i don't know what that sentence really means but yeah if it senses danger it flies high and away instantly which feels completely in contrast to how it has been portrayed in the anime yeah which it is like yellow is like the most influenced by the anime possibly yeah. of the whole series. So it just feels odd that they would put such a uh, a, a contrasting piece of information. Because, yeah. like, it, it's territorial and aggressive and it stands up to people. But then, um, yeah, Yellow thinks it doesn't. Yeah. Um, I feel like the, the verbosity definitely continues. Like, Gold, it shoots itself suddenly high into the sky, then plummets down in one fell swoop to strike its prey. That, again, is just... It goes up, it goes down, it eats a bug. But it's just so grandiose. Mm. Um, and I feel like Silver is... Uh, uh, trying to make up for the stubbiness. <laughs> the way they describe Spiro. It cleverly uses its thin, long beak to pluck and eat small insects that hide under the ground. They're like... Um, Remind me again what you were saying about my son? No, no, no. Very clever. Very clever when you yeah. consider your life. <laughs> Um, and and, uh, and I heard, heard something about stubby stubby beaks that long thin long beak very yeah. much a thin comma long beak <laughs> um, Crystal has it uses its long beak to attack it has a surprisingly long reach so it must be treated with caution Crystal has some fucking trauma in its history yeah uh, Crystal Professor fucked with a Spiro and is like Treat with caution. Yeah. Do not fuck with this bird. Yeah, is and um, and so you shouldn't. So you shouldn't. I mean, I feel like a lot of these professors have been fucking with a Pokemon and not been getting their just rewards really. So 
Good on you, Fiona. I feel like I feel like going forward, they run out of words to use for long. Because Firo is like the ultimate long boy. Yeah. But like Ruby, Sapphire and Emerald have used like a lot of fucking words to say very similar things. <laughs> like Firo is recognised by its long neck and elongated beak. That's just long again. Yeah. Extra letters. Yeah. <laughs> they are conveniently shaped for catching prey in soil or water. It definitely moves its long, long again and skinny beak <laughs> to pluck prey. Um, and like Emerald has like basically the same words, but not as many. It's long neck and elongated beak again are ideal for catching prey in soil or water. I think that's a better way of saying what was two sentences before. I feel like it being more condensed definitely w reads better. Yeah. It definitely moves this extended another another word for just long, long. and skinny beak to pluck prey. And now I guess I... they realised in Ruby and Sapphire they use the word long too many fucking times. Yeah. <laughs> and, uh, and again, a bit body shaming again, using skinny yeah. a lot. I feel like they're trying to make up for calling Spiro stumpy and short by being like, <laughs> oh, you're so skinny. <laughs> um, huge and magnificent wings again. I feel like there's a bit of dip wagon here uh, that Fire Red and Leaf Green professors are arguing about. Yeah. Because Fire Red has got... It can remain a whole, remain flying a whole day without landing. Yeah. Which feels, um, I guess, reasonable. Yeah. Leaf green, it can keep aloft without ever having to land for rest. And I feel like Fire Red <laughs> Professor is sitting there being like, just because you weren't there when it landed didn't mean it didn't land. <laughs> and Leaf green is like, no, it never has to. I'm fucking putting it in the Pokedex. Uh, and again, it's a little bit furry. Magnificent. Yeah. yeah. It's huge and magnificent and it never has to sit down. Leave me alone. You don't understand how much I love it. <laughs> That's Leaf Green Professor. Um, I feel like I feel like it's definitely Leaf Green Professor that is the outlier. Because once you get to Gen 4, um, Diamond, Pearl and Platinum all say it has a stamina to fly all day on its broad wings and fights using its sharp beak. So they're sticking with for a day as the consensus yeah. and I think that's sensible um, Heart Gold and Soul Silver reuse some old ones and then Black, White and Black and White 2 are back to flying all day and fighting with its beak and um, it says broad wings as if they were like no we, we know what you and we know what was happening there when you were going on yeah. about and being so magnificent and pigeon yeah. and it's beautiful like, plumage magnificent is a subjective term Let's actually describe it. When, all right, it's wings come all the way out. We've used long too many fucking times already. Let's go with broad. Let's go broad, and that's just accurate, and we're not projecting. All right? Yeah. Mr. Magnificent Wings. Put, put, down that, uh, put down that Put down that furry magazine. <laughs> but you shouldn't have brought it into work with you. No. Um, no, I shouldn't. Although, ex-professor back to huge and magnificent wings and never having to land for rest so i reckon i reckon x and leaf green are kind of uh, in cahoots yeah oh yeah they they probably have like they probably have some form of like forum message board where it's like uh uh gen 3 professor sub sub account and uh, throw away 0.34 ruby <laughs> i in keeping with uh, how I felt about the Spiro Dex entries, I think Gen 9 actually has some really good ones. Sun, Im 
establishes more information about the Pokemon, which I like. It is tough and has excellent stamina. It has no problem flying continuously for a whole day carrying a heavy load. I like that. That tells me more about Firo. Yeah. Um, I think it's it's impressive yet reasonable. Yeah. Um, I also like Moons because so going back to the one that said this Pokemon dates back many years, which doesn't make any sense and is repeated in Let's Go. Yeah. Moon establishes what that fucking means. Drawings of a Pokemon resembling Fero can be seen in murals deep in ancient history. So, I think that legitimately adds to Pokemon lore because it's are the drawings like old cave paintings that are actually supposed to be Ho Oh? That yeah. could be that could be a bit of a mystery there. Yeah. Um, but I also think, you know, it then builds on, you know, the these are flawed, right? Human mm. beings wrote this based on the information that they have. Like we don't know that these are accurate. Moon is saying like we think Fero is like ancient and mystical, but it could be Ho Oh, but it it might not be. Fero mm. might be like as ancient as ho and there's a relationship there that we don't know enough about yet. Yeah. I think that yeah. would be I think that would be a great kind of backstory for Fero to you know, a ho could be formerly a Fero that ascended to the rank of the gods. I think that'd be yeah. bullshit. Yeah, yeah like, um, like flew through a rainbow or something. Yeah. When we get those we get those like snippets here that I'm, I find really interesting. Yeah. Um and also I like how all the uh, sun and moon coming up next, while Fero doesn't have like an alternate form, um, I think the way that they've structured these Pokedex entries so that it's about how Fero behaves in this environment. So carrying food through Fero's territory is dangerous. It will snatch the food away from you in a flash. That's cool. Didn't know that before. Yeah, I've had, right. I've had that issue in real life <laughs> I once had, so have I yeah I once had a seagull steal an entire pasty off me I was I was very upset I once had a seagull steal a hot dog that was in my mouth <laughs> what do you mean what do you mean it was in your mouth what as you, in I was in my mouth to take a bite out of it and the seagull <laughs> smacked me in the back of the head <laughs> and, <laughs> and what? ripped the hot dog out my mouth and then flew away what Disoriented, I had no oh. idea what was going on. And my glasses were covered in cheese. I couldn't see. And I turned around. My friends were just staring over my head. And I turned back, and there was a seagull sitting on a bandstand eating my hot dog. Well, so this was the say This was one seagull that kicked you in the back of the head. Oh, there was like a second seagull that. No, there was one seagull that slammed into the back of my head, <gasps> reached around, ripped the hot dog out of my mouth, and then took it to a bandstand to eat. Wow. Um, yeah. I mean, I remember once I saw a seagull. Um, uh, so someone had uh, ordered themselves a pizza, and then went inside the restaurant to, you know, get uh, get like some condiments, and um, I saw a seagull in that brief moment swoop down and carry the whole pizza off. Uh, and, Amazing. And I felt like I'd witnessed a crime because I saw the I... person come back and be like, "What? Where's my pizza gone?" You know what I'm starting to I'm starting to think is that they absolutely underutilized Wingull. Mm. I reckon if they bring in Wingull in any more Pokemon generations, I would like there to be one that's really fucking naughty. Yeah. That seals people's food. Yeah. Um 
Or they do a new seagull Pokemon that is based on being naughty rather than being helpful, because Wingull's quite a helpful Pokemon. Yeah. Um, but yeah, going back to this, I also like Ultra Moon, because all of the others so far have been Fero eats bugs in soil, and a bit also eats stuff out of the water, so I guess it eats fish. Um, in Ultra Moon specifies, in Alola, fish Pokemon are its prey. And I think that makes... that's th I like this... Because in the original games where you find it, you find it in the forest. Yeah. And obviously Alola does not have as many forests. It has a lot more a lot more water because it's like based on Hawaii. Yeah. So it's like an island nation with like lots of lots of ocean. And here it's like it can be seen circling above the ocean searching for food. So Fero exists in Alola, but it's had to adapt, even yeah. though it's not got a regional variant i really like the way that they have um offered context yeah for it well i i feel like you know the more and more we do this the more and more i feel like we learn about these professors and i feel like generation seven professor actually does their job yeah yeah i i am really starting to like gen seven professor i think i think they're a good egg yeah um and one day we may do a, a whole episode on Generation 7 and there'll be a lot of information about that. Uh, and as for Generation 3, I feel like there's going to be a lot of fan art that we're not going to want to look through. Yes, I think that's true. <laughs> uh, hanging. Right, oh, oh, well, I'm not here to kink shame. Um, right, uh, and then we've just got... Repeating back for brilliant for Gen Eight and let's go. Mm -hmm. So should we uh, should we move into um, should we move into the Smogon ratings? Let's do it. Yeah, let's, let's do it. So there they are. That's the little animation. Um, something that I did notice about uh, Spiro's animation. Just to flip back onto Spiro for a second, you can see them like tapping their foot as if they are kind of pissed mm -hmm. off uh, i like that little little attention to detail um but yes back to fero um again like it look i feel like looking at its animation it looks okay it's yeah. like it's like this is part of the thing that that goes against it that i feel like there's nothing for me that really makes it stand out i get that yeah yeah I think you're probably right. I, I would agree with that. And I think the stats that we have on show here kind of reinforce what we were saying earlier about Fero being like a really good Pokemon to have when you are using it against the middle evolutions yeah. in that sort of mid stage of the game, but they're just not enough to carry it through to the end. Yeah. Um, and like, uh, like thinking of like Pidgeot, like, Pidgeot's got like the big plumage and it's like it's like I feel like they they should have just I don't know they should have just added some you know to just make it pop a little bit yeah I think if you did have the option of Pidgey's evolution line there because Pidgeotto can also hold its own against middle evolution Pokemon like it's it's solid it's consistently solid um I think if you didn't have that option there like Fero being your choice of a flying Pokemon early on, yeah, or like your only real option of a flying Pokemon early on, 
would make for some really interesting kind of decisions that you have to make as you go through the game and you have to think I can't justify keeping this Pokemon with me now, now that I'm at this level and this one is lagging behind, what am I going to do about it? Mm. I think that would be like a really interesting way to structure the game. That like you have like a kick-ass Spearow, you have a Fearow that fucks up all the middle evolutions, but then once you get to the point that people are using their final stage evolution, your Fearow can't keep up and you have to figure out what you're going to do. Yeah. Um, yeah. I think... If like I feel like Pidgeot having Pidgeot is kind of playing on easy mode in a little way, but like I get why they did that because it's a game for children. It's not a game for me. Yes. Um, like... I definitely played on the easiest possible mode as a kid. Um, I made the choices that made the game easy for me, um, not the ones that like challenged me to think about how to approach different situations. Mm-hmm. Um, so I think it would be very cool um, to be confronted with that kind of thing if you know the games became that level of challenging i know you can impose it on yourself yeah. but it'd be interesting to see what happened if it was uh necessary yeah. to have pushed into that corner like something that i just want to do dead quick is i just want to get up uh Pidgeotto's, um um like their stats just so we can like Compare across. Yeah, compare them. So you can see there, so like Pidgeot oh, is on like 63, 60, 55, 50, 50, 71. And yeah, so not as good as Fero. No. Like still solid, still a solid middle evolution, but not as good as Fero. So you've got that little gap Yeah. where Fero is superior for a bit. Yeah. But then as soon as your Pidgeot evolves. Yeah. So let's like see. Fero's done for. So yeah, so you can see there that like Pidgeot is like in yeah. Apart from uh, attack, the attack, um, which I think is just the physical attack, uh, is higher, but everything else is lower. Um, And so yeah, it it just does. It just kind of drops off. Uh, You can see there it's also in untiered, which means that uh, it's like it's un like it's not really used and yeah I, I can't blame anyone for not using it yeah um competitively uh we've got here uh Fero has a multitude of issues and a in pitiful bulk average offensive stats a weakness to stealth rock and a reliance on critical hits to show its low powered attacks which make its damage output inconsistent um yeah which don't surprise me no doesn't surprise me either so where where would you place it on the Trubbish rating? I think I would also give it a four. I think I'm sticking sticking it where it where it was with Spiro, to be honest. I don't think it has much more um to offer the story or the gameplay compared to Spiro. Yeah. Um I think it's also like, you know, when we were looking at the things that could tie it to Ho when we were talking about the ways that they could make fear a little bit more interesting without really having to change it just giving it more lore in the game mm. i feel like it is sold a bit short like there was a lot of potential there mm. to like make it a bit more interesting without having to make any changes to it just add a plot a small subplot like have a character who lives near the forest or the ocean in alola 
talk about how Fero's his favorite Pokemon. He's done all this research and he thinks there's a there's a connection to some ancient god Pokemon. It's like that's enough. Yeah. It doesn't need to be an actual like subplot of the game. Just have like one oh. character, one side character be really into it and it can recontextualize the way that you see Fero yeah. and can just make it a bit more fun to think about. Um and I feel like that is a, a missed opportunity. Yeah. So I can't justify putting it any higher. Yeah. What about you? Uh, I'm probably going to do the same, probably around about five. Uh, I was considering a six because I did enjoy the additional lore stuff that was in mm. some of the deck entries. But yeah, I feel like I, it does get lost. Uh, it does. Like, even in Gen 1, it gets lost. So the chances yeah. of it getting lost across, like, multiple generations, I think, is just, uh, is just, was just inevitable for this one. Yeah. 